in india we don't have instructions for everything it's always about asking each other and finding your way out when i came to canada i felt like everybody's lost everybody's helping everybody and nobody mind if i ask once or twice even if there is the staircase right there in front of me and i'm still asking where is the staircase they don't get angry with me but in us they are like can't you see it's right there so they, they didn't like that you need so much of help but here in canada it was much cozy much easy and nobody was expecting you to know everything they were okay they knew that you will ask and it, it was totally fine Hello, and welcome to episode 49 of Intercultural Insiders. My name is John McGraw, and I help newcomers, expats, and businesses connect across cultures to succeed in less time and pain. I am the founder of Hyaku Coaching, which is dedicated to helping you create your pathway to success in a new culture. The purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. If you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guest's experiences that could help you, even if it's just a reminder that you're not alone. Today is part one of a two-part conversation with Dara Majmundar. But before we get into that, I have a few announcements to make and one that's very personal to me as well. As of tomorrow, it's the one-year anniversary of Intercultural Insiders. The first episode was streamed on October 19th last year, and that episode was just me with no guests, introducing the concepts of the show and explaining the topics that we would be covering. To think that it's been a full year, it's been quite the journey, and I feel that the show has come quite a way since then. We've had 25 guests, ranging from successful immigrants to Canada to expats, We've relocated outside of Canada and those who also work with newcomers and immigrants to help them adapt to life in Canada. And from all of those conversations, there's been a great deal of insights uh, that I would like to share and plan to revisit uh, in some other projects coming up in the future. And coming up November 2nd is the event with Latin Project Management Network coaching a project manager's superpower, which is a hybrid event in downtown Toronto, Thursday, November 2nd at 6 p.m. The Project Management Institute, PMI, defines power skills as the behaviors that enable people to succeed. Coaching is part of a leadership style that involves recognizing team members' strengths, weaknesses, and motivations to help them improve. In this workshop, the panelists will discuss how project managers can utilize coaching techniques to achieve business results through people. I will be a guest speaker, along with HR professional and Brilliant Minds Group CEO Dinesh Sharma. To find out more details and to register, follow the link in the notes. More details will be forthcoming in the next few weeks. And speaking of events coming up in November, from the Intercultural Skills Lab comes the Culture of Cohesion Summit 2023. 
November 14th, all day. Culture of Cohesion, Building Interculturally Inclusive and Effective Teams. Diversity shapes the workforce. Inclusion makes it work. Less talk and more action. The Culture of Cohesion Summit brings together inclusion executives, researchers, and experts to showcase real-world solutions for successfully managing intercultural teams. The theme for this full-day summit is Taking Action, where experts will unpack successfully applied inclusion strategies, projects, and studies, focusing on what has worked or the wisdom gained from what hasn't. The program includes a keynote address and two panel discussions. Breaking Barriers explores models for innovative, inclusive practices in skeptical environments. Building Bridges showcases best practices for managing interculturally diverse teams effectively, both upwards and downwards. To find out more and to register for this event, follow the link in the show notes. Again, this is a topic that means a great deal to me. I think there will be a lot of valuable insights there. And with all of those events announced, it's time to get onto our main focus, which is part one of the conversation with Dara Majmundar. Dara is a seasoned talent acquisition professional with more than 10 years in technical recruiting. She has lived, worked, and studied in three different countries. She immigrated to Canada more than eight years ago and is settled well here in Canada. Some of the things that we talk about today include cultural diversity. Dara shares her experiences with cultural diversity in India, the United States, and Canada, and she emphasizes the importance of avoiding stereotypes and assumptions when dealing with people from different cultures, and the journey to talent acquisition. Dara's journey from IT consulting to talent acquisition is a testament to the power of diverse experiences. So without further wait, let's get into part one of the conversation with Dara Majmunda. Dara, could you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me, John. I'm very excited to be here in this space. About me, I'm a seasoned talent acquisition professional. I have done more than eight years into IT recruiting. I've worked in India, US, and Canada. I deal with a variety of people so far and different cultural experiences. And currently, I've started my personal career coaching services. So I try to help job seekers especially newcomers, recent grads, and anybody who would like to reach their career path. So I try to help them with whatever knowledge and experience I have. I can see that you've got quite a wealth of experiences. I'd like to hear a little bit about some of your earlier cultural experiences. And I've heard quite a bit about the diversity just within India in terms of the, the languages, the, the cultures. So Wondering if you have any experiences there that you could speak to. Uh, that's right. So India has 29 states and 102 official languages. Oh. So definitely there is a variety. I'm coming from western part of India, from Gujarat. And even in my state, uh, there's one language, Gujarati, but it has a lot of dialects. So after every 10 villages, you see a different dialect. In terms of that cultural diversity, when I came to Canada, I was sitting on a bus stop one day and somebody passed through and they said, Sastriya Kal. So I said, Namaste. 
He said, no, but you are Indian. So you say Shastriya Kaal. I said, but I'm not Punjabi. So he said, no, all Indians are Punjabi. They say Shastriya Kaal. I was like, no. I was like, why do you think that? If you are Indian, you have to be Punjabi. I had an interesting conversation there. And for him, it was eye-opening thing that all, not all Indians do the same thing. I really like that you understand that people from India are coming from different parts and there's a lot of variety within one country itself. Because something really bothers me here in Canada is that people think that if you are from India and someone else from India, that means you will get along. Not necessary. Just like any other country, any other culture, we all come from variety of educational backgrounds, variety of cultural backgrounds, variety of thought processes too, right? So not necessary that just because I'm Indian, someone is Indian, we will be thinking the same way. I can see how it could be a bit annoying. I think it is something that we can be guilty of when we think about other cultures that maybe we haven't had much exposure to. Sometimes, for example, Canadians and Americans, there's a tendency to confuse them and assume that we're basically the, the same. Even when I'm talking about cultural tendencies, I feel I have to be careful. I do think that's to some extent useful just in terms of being aware that there are differences from what you're expecting, but it's not an excuse to shut your brain off by saying, oh, okay, this person is from India or this person is from Canada. So that means they're like this and this. Pay attention to what's going on, what's coming from the other person that you're dealing with. Being aware of the tendencies, but without stereotypes or making assumptions. You mentioned that you had lived and worked in the US and in Canada. I know that you are a citizen of Canada as well. You went to the US first, is that yes. correct? Yeah. Okay. What was that experience like and what stood out for you about that? When I went to U.S., it was the first time when I was going out of the country. It was in 2007 and I was not habitual of going out even within my country. In Indian society, girls don't go out just like that on their own. So you always go out with somebody. And my mother used to be always with me. So for me, it was a very new experience when first time I was on the airport and standing in the queue with my luggage on my own, I was so nervous that the, the security guard came to me and he said, this is first time going outside. He could sense that I'm super conscious and, and I'm super anxious. Coming to US was literally, I, I, I was feeling that it's like Alice in Wonderland. So that was my perception about what I was going through. So for the first time, in U.S., I saw that when you try to enter into a door, the door opens on its own. And that was the magic for me. And even if I was in Philadelphia, it was not that cold. But even in 15 degrees, I used to wear three layers. I still remember. So it, it was very different for me. And, and I was studying there at the Temple University. And in my class, there were two parts, whites and black. And I was totally unaware about all those tension or cultural or historical aspects. And in one of my lectures, one of my teachers showed a cake dance. So it was part of history. And in the other class, my teacher used to ask, what did you study in that class? So I said, oh, we studied cake dance and it was part of history. I was the only one who was talking about it and everybody else was not saying anything. And my teacher didn't say anything. He said, oh, good to know. And then she carried on. And usually we discuss about every topic. Why this topic she's keeping aside. And then after the class, one of my classmates, she grabbed me and clicked me in the corner. And she said, do you have any idea what were you doing? I said, what? She said, cake dance is cultural 
dogma. It's like a stigma. They don't like to talk about it. It's not like a pride. So if you will talk about this thing on the street, somebody will shoot you. So in this class, it's okay. We all understand that you are new and you don't understand, but then you talk about this. So I had no idea, right? And for me, I had black people were my friends, whites were my friends, but I could see the tension at times that how if a black driver is, bus driver, sometimes they don't stop the bus if someone is white is standing there. And then I hear complaints from both the parties. And then I actually learned that there are lots of historical roots involved, why people still react in certain way when in today. So I know this all sounds very racial, but for me, it was all for the very first time because I even didn't know the history. And when I came to Canada, I first time learned about the Underground Railroad thing. So it was all like connecting the dots that what I heard and learned over there. And then I, I saw proper history here. Long story short, staying in, in U.S. was quite an experience. That was the first time where I had a lot of cultural shock because the way you talk, the way, the jargon, the, the idioms you use. The English is English, but it seems to be something very different. I, I'm glad that you were able to to get informed about what was going on. And then coming up to Canada as well, were there things that you were able to notice quickly or that you were aware of? Do you feel that there is much difference overall? Yeah, I think there is a difference. So when I was in U.S., A, it was huge, and B, people were expecting you to know everything. Because I was new, and in India, we don't have instructions for everything. It's always about asking each other and finding your way out. I was not that habitual of reading instructions and following arrows and looking at the map. I had zero idea when somebody say, go south, what is south, north, east, west. I think that was a little tricky for me. A, I was out of the country for the first time and B, I think expectations were high. When I came to Canada, I felt like everybody's lost. Everybody's helping everybody. And nobody mind if I ask once or twice, even if there is the staircase right there in front of me and I'm still asking, where is the staircase? They don't get angry with me. But in US, they're like, can't you see it's right there? So they, they didn't like that you need so much of help. But here in Canada, it was much cozy, much easy, and nobody was expecting you to know everything. They were okay. They knew that you will ask and it was totally fine. So I think that there is that big difference that I definitely see. And it was a relief too that I, I felt, okay, I belong here. It's okay if I make mistake and it's okay if I'm lost or if I'm asking questions. So I think there is that difference. What's your thoughts on the reasons for those kinds of differences? I think in the basis of how people immigrate here, it's not very common that people just come to U.S., the whole family. Either you have to go through student life and you get H-1B visa, which is like work permit, and then you bring family members. Again, they are dependent. So everybody in U.S. is quite handpicked. You have to go through certain processes and then only you could be a part of the society. Whereas here, I think it's a little easier, I would say, that people can come on PR with the whole family. So everybody is like new, right? Or even students, you can study here just in one year and then you can still get work study permit. Whereas in U.S., at least when I was trying to immigrate, it was difficult to get one-year program and 
based on that, getting another work permit. I think it's a little easier in Canada to immigrate. So that way, everybody is new and everybody understands that. Whereas in the U.S., it's difficult. I'd like to hear a little bit more about your background as a talent acquisition professional and where that started. That's a good question. After I graduated back then in India, I, I was an IT graduate. So I joined a software development company and I was an IT consultant. So uh, most of our clientels uh, were in the U.S. So I used to make calls and used to get the lead. So basically marketing about our software development services. So I think from there, I started learning about the U.S. culture because first I had to actually learn that there are 50 states out there, how to pronounce them, how to pronounce the name of the people there before I make a call and, and all those etiquettes. My first time, I even didn't know the bill and... William, both are the same person because if somebody's William, they call them Bill. And I thought they're two different people. So I learned a lot over there and almost three years I was doing that. So basically I was the person who was bringing in the clients, bringing in new business. I knew their requirements. And then I was passing along this information to other managers to find a programmer so that they can work on their project. So almost after three years or so, my manager one day called me and he said, you know what, you know their requirements better. Why to keep a middleman? Why don't you start hiring for them as well? So I said, okay. And I started hiring programmers. It was mainly Java developers or front-end developers. So all those people who were working on those projects. And then later on, we introduced SEO, which was like search engine not optimization. So again, I was not part of it, but I was very curious to learn about that technology. And for me, it was very magical that you do some process behind and then company's website will come on the first page of Google. I thought, wow, this is amazing. How do you do that? So I get one month training and my manager said, if I train you, I want to use it. So now hire SEO uh, developers and SEO technicians. So I started doing that. Then after one day, he said that, you know what? We need content because if you do SEO project, you need content writers. We had only one content writer at that time and we were far behind the process. So one day my manager said, everybody stop doing work, just write one article. So for the first time that day, I wrote one article just because I had to. The next morning he called me, he said, did you write this article? I said, yes, sir. He said, it's very good. I said, thank you, sir. He said, no, I don't want you to write good article. I want you to write in bulk. Don't spend too much time. What you are producing is right, but then I don't want quality. I want quantity. I said, sorry, sir, I cannot compromise on quality. So then next day he said, okay, so why don't you hire content writers and edit their work? So that's how I started hiring programmers and then SEO people and then content writers and then editing their work. And then they were all freelancers. So we needed only seven people, but they come and go. So I said, okay, I'll make a team of 15. My manager said, I don't mind how many people you hire, but I will only pay if their content passed to us. I said, fine. So I created a team of 15 freelance content writers. I was editing their work, managing their work. I had all the right to hire them, fire them, discipline them. So that was very exciting for me. Slowly and gradually, things kept on adding into my profile. And there was a time when I was doing seven projects at a time, morning, nine, three, three, nine. And then I said, I need to really streamline. But what I'm trying to say is that I didn't understand at that time, but I was actually shaping up 
as a talent acquisition professional because for that I needed office administration. I need to hire. I also need to manage a team. I also need to learn how to develop content. I also need to know how to do project management. I also need to know how to do SEO. So today, if I'm writing content or I understand keywords, that all started over there. And then I was mainly focusing on recruiting for all the aspects of my our business. And then when I wanted to come to Canada, I really wanted to study before I actually apply something. So I studied HR management here. I passed my exam or PHRP, certified HR professional, but then I was a little confused as to should I do HR or I should continue with recruiting? Because again, country was different, market was different. I was not sure what I'll enjoy here. So I did two internships, one for HR, one for recruiting. But again, I didn't like HR. I continued doing it. And then, you know, things keep on rolling. One more thing that when I was in India, I had no idea about agency world was all in-house. At least I was not aware about it. So when I came here, everybody said you should work in agency because that's when you hone your skills and you learn a lot. So I joined agency initially and then again, I jumped back into IT recruiting and then I went into cybersecurity for in-house. So my journey in Canada was again quite dynamic and I ended up working with Robert Herjavik with one of the investors on AP Shark Tank. So I think that was the highlight for me. That was part one of the interview with Dara Majmundar, and I'm very excited to share part two next week. But before we get into that, just a quick announcement about Intercultural Insiders Info. This is the official newsletter for Intercultural Insiders, and it gives news about the show, guests that are coming up, and the topics that will be covered. To subscribe to it, just follow the link in the show notes to my profile and LinkedIn. Another quick reminder of the LPMN event, Coaching a Project Manager's Superpower, Thursday, November 2nd at 6 p.m. To register for that, simply follow the link in the show notes. And for the Intercultural Skills Lab, Culture of Cohesion, Building Interculturally Inclusive and Effective Teams, the Summit 2023, coming up on November 14th. To register for that, follow the link in the show notes. Next session is part two of the conversation with Dara Majmundar, streaming live on LinkedIn Live and YouTube, October 25th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Some of the things that we talk about there are confidence versus competence. We discussed how confidence is perceived differently across cultures, and Dara stresses that confidence should not be equated with competence, as it can stem from various sources. Also, hiring decisions. Dara shares her insights on the importance of considering a person's work history and performance over their appearance during hiring decisions. Asking questions. Dara encourages newcomers to understand that it is okay to ask questions and seek clarification in their new environment and understanding rights and responsibilities. Dara emphasizes the importance of understanding one's rights and responsibilities to alleviate unnecessary anxiety and conflict especially for newcomers to a country. That is coming up on YouTube and LinkedIn Live, October 25th, 12 p.m. Eastern. Until then, keep navigating your way between cultures towards your goals. Mm-hmm.